Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our flagship podcast here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Thank you guys again for tuning in here with us this week. Uh, been a lot going on, um, both in the college football world and outside of it. It's the Olympics right now. Colin, have you been watching a lot of the Winter Olympics here? Are you a Winter Olympics guy? More of a summer guy? I can't, I am more I can't of a... tell with you. I am more of a summer guy, um, but I do enjoy the Winter Olympics. Um, I, I had it on. You know, I work from home, so I had the TV on in the background. I've been listening to it, you know, most of the day today. The uh, the the team ski jump thing, like the alternating like guys and girls thing, that was really interesting to me. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, first off, I don't know the rules of like half the things that are going on. Yeah, I. I like might moderately learn them while this is going on. And then by the, the next four years, I will forget all of them. Um, so it's relearning all the different rules every single time they roll around. So the, the ski jump today, I know we're just going to go totally off topic here for a couple of minutes as we do our weekly Olympic review here. But um, yeah, I mean, they disqualified the a bunch of people because the their their suits didn't fit correctly. I saw that they disqualified like, like the number one German guy too. Yeah, like I'm just sitting there, like is like they have like the squirrel suit, like and they just like fly. Like, yeah. I, I'm curious what the rationale is behind this. I'm sure some physicist that's twelve times smarter than I'll ever be has us all figured out and mapped out. There's probably a little drawing somewhere uh, demonstrating, uh, but I thought that was very interesting as I was watching that. Like, oh, his suit's too loose. And I was like, I would have thought the opposite problem would be the bigger issue, but yeah. You would want to be more aerodynamic, especially because they like do the Naruto run through midair. So, so I know like a lot of the Winter Olympic stuff involves like going at just a stupid, stupid speed down a hill with little to zero protection except for a helmet that like is mm-hmm. going to do nothing if you hit a pole at ninety miles an hour. Like the <laughs> the fact they even wear a helmet at all, I guess, just helps with the wind because it's a farce that it's actually going to help you survive. Yeah. Is there one that stands out to you, though, that you're just like, I would never do that in a bajillion years. I'd rather you just like tie a rock to my leg and throw me in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> um, Honestly, probably like the the downhill, like the ski jump like that because you're going so fast down the hill. You take off and you're going like it was like like an average jump was like what, like 80 something meters, I think, or something roughly like that. You know, you're flying 80 meters in the air and then you land on a thing that is a long pole that is like basically the width of your foot. There's a lot of there's there's a lot of things that can go wrong there. I think I think that one would probably be the one I wouldn't want to do. Ah, man, I, I, I go back and forth on it. You know, the one like there's some that are terrifying from a um, like I'll probably, I would die as soon as I tried to do that um, uh, like standpoint. Like I, I, any of the luge, I would say, I think the one that I w- would do, it would be the um, bobsled mm-hmm. because I get to go with somebody else. So presumably they can kind of steer things as I'm screaming in the back. Oh, so you're in the back, you're the pusher. But also, yeah, so we wouldn't go very <laughs> fast either. Um, <laughs> but when those flip, it's like the thing is big enough that you don't really, like you're not hanging out of it like where yeah. am i gonna hit into like you're just kind of tucked <laughs> in there like i know people this is not a, a visual a video you know platform that we do for this show but like they're just kind of tucked up inside and like the, the crown of their head just kind of you know scrapes down the ice a little bit but like no harm no foul 
Um, so that's the one that I would do. The one that seems the least appealing to me, though, back to what I was about to say, is any of the long-distance cross-country skiing ones. Oh, yeah. Those people look like they literally would prefer to just be doing like they'd rather you just sand all the skin off of their body <laughs> than do that race by the time they get to the end of it like they just look absolutely miserable it's it, they know like there's multiple times where they just cross the finish line this you know it's like and they just like hit the ground and they're just like people just come rushing to them it's yeah it does not look fun at all the level of endurance that that takes is insane because you're yeah. doing upper body and lower body. Yes. And the shooting, like when they do the biathlon. And the, it is, oh, the yeah. That's just fascinating. Because cool it is the most bizarre freaking sport. Like, that's not a sport. <laughs> like, I don't know what that is. It's not a sport. It's torture or something. Um, but they're cool to watch. I enjoy watching them. Mm -hmm. um, so regardless, lots more. Guys, hockey hasn't even started yet. That's that's my favorite. I'm a big hockey guy. Um but I think that's probably enough on the Olympics. I don't think we need any more of that. Um, so let's get into the show here, Colin. We got a lot to talk about here tonight. Um, coaching changes, like literally right after we, we recorded the show last week, uh, two major transfers happened. So that was mm -hmm. great. Love yeah. when that happens. Um, so we're going to kind of break all that down here. I know it'll be a little bit delayed uh, reaction. We've had a few days to think about it, but alas. Um, before we start here, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great podcasts, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, the Dynasty Happy Hour, the Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, Dynasty Vipers, the Smoke Show, the Triple Play Fantasy Podcast, and the Fantasy Points Podcast itself. You can follow all of these shows in one place on Twitter, at Fantasy Points Live, or check out their weekly Friday drop that recaps the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. Some news here, Colin. We're going to kick off with four pieces of news. Our Caleb Williams watch has finally come to an end, and now our watch has ended. And Caleb Williams officially going to USC amid speculation that he would uh, follow his, his family friend at Wisconsin, that he you know would look elsewhere, but it sounds like USC is the spot for him. I, we've kind of already discussed this. I feel like we don't have like a, a ton to discuss here, but the confirmation is good, right? Like I think this was, I we much prefer this to Wisconsin. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt, definitely prefer this to Wisconsin. Um, I mean, we kind of expected this. You know, we, we had it written in pencil pretty much the entire time. The Wisconsin rumors were interesting for a second, but... I think ultimately we just kind of expected Caleb Williams to go to USC. So I don't think it really impacts his stock that much. Um, you know, other than that, like you said, the, you know, getting the confirmation is nice. Um, but I think this is going to be good for him for fantasy. You know, he's my QB three right now. I have him behind Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. I did bump him ahead of Quinn Ewers. You know, I, I kind of go back and forth with them, but I think just because we've seen it, at least for a year with Caleb Williams. I think that's enough to break a tie. But so, you know, have him ranked pretty high. I think this is a very great spot for fantasy. You know, he's going back to Lincoln Riley's offense. Maybe it'll be better than it was last year. It was, you know, kind of seemed like Lincoln Riley mailed it in at a points towards the end of the year. But good for fantasy, good for his development for the future as well. Good decision all around. There's got, they have some nice pieces there. Mario Williams uh, obviously goes with them as well. 
I think he went there before him. But, you know, we like Gary Bryant Jr. They they have some other pieces there. Kyle Ford, Taj Washington, um, Michael Jackson the third. So they have weapons. It's just a good it's a good situation for him. Do you think that they had better weapons there than he had at Oklahoma last year? Um I think it's on par. I think Mario Williams obviously voids out, you know. He's the same in both Mario places. Williams on the left, Mario Williams on the right. <laughs> Mario Williams with one more year experience, though. Hmm? That that um, helps a little. Helps a little bit. Helps a little bit. Um, you know, I I would say I probably like Marvin Mims a little bit better than I like uh, Gary Bryant Jr. But I would say I like Michael Jackson the third more than I like Weiss or Hazelwood. So, you know, I, th- I think it's fairly even overall. There are different kinds of receivers, I think, which is interesting. True. Um, besides Mario Williams, who, as you so eloquently pointed out, is the same <laughs> exact person. Um, <laughs> they don't have a lot. Weiss and, and Hasselwood, Hazelwood, um, I still haven't learned how to say that name, how you're supposed to say it. And he's been in college for three plus years at this point. I'm the wrong um, person to ask. So, <laughs> yes, you are. Um, it, it, there's not as many big bodied guys on USC. So I'm interested to see, I don't know if Caleb Williams, I, we haven't seen enough out of him to know if he has a type, really. Like if he prefers, you know, a, a, a bigger go up and get a guy. If he Like, I, I don't know if we we have enough information to know. Um, but yeah, I think that they're, I'm going to give the edge to USC slightly, but I will say they, their running backs might be worse. Yeah. Like, well, altogether, like it's a bunch of guys that are okay, but no one that I think is like amazing. I, I don't know that any of them are as good as Kennedy Brooks and I'm not even like a huge Kennedy Brooks truther, but that, none of them have put up really performed the way he has uh, through college and Travis die a little bit. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I, I do think their backfield is worse pretty much all around. I think Kennedy Brooks is better than anybody else in that backfield. I think Eric Gray, you know, despite some of his shortcomings last year is still better than, you know, the number two option for USC. So you know, and then they bring in two freshmen too. So, yeah, I think overall the backfield definitely edges to Oklahoma. Pretty, like I said, pretty pretty even split for me as far as the receivers go, though. Well, okay, so Caleb Williams going in there, then Jackson Dart obviously had to go somewhere, uh, and, and he has announced that he will be at Ole Miss. And Michael Trigg obviously was saying that he was a package deal with Jackson Dart. He will be going there as well, the tight end. Um, both in the same class. They're both true freshmen last year. Uh, going to play for Elaine Kiffin. Obviously, no more Jeff Lebby, uh, now the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. Um, this probably completely wipes out my Sawyer Robertson segment from a couple weeks ago. So, if, um, you know, sorry that you wasted a few minutes of your life listening to that. Do we feel pretty good about Dart and Trig at Old You mean Mr. Luke Altmeyer? That's what I meant. Sawyer. Okay. I was like, Sawyer Robertson. Oh my gosh. I was trying to think when we talked about him. Yeah. No, Luke Altmeyer. Thank you, okay. Colin. And if you just listen to that 10 seconds, I'm sorry. I can't, can't keep that back <laughs> um, we, don't, we don't edit this show that heavily, guys. We uh, we give you most of what we say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very rarely do we actually for, edit something. Over for here. better or for worse. <laughs> it all comes out. Um, sorry. What was your actual question? <laughs> Damn it, Colin. <laughs> So actually, I'm going to change my question since you don't remember it. You, you would Good. have never even known. Um, yeah. I, we've already kind of discussed Jackson Dart and what happens if he ends up there. Mm-hmm. 
the tight end position is kind of a wasteland. We, we've talked a lot with our, our the CFF crew uh, mm-hmm. here at C2C about this. They're having a hard time ranking beyond, you know, a couple <laughs> of guys. This last class was just so deep, both with Debbie guys and with college producers. Where, you know, whereabouts do you think Michael Tree could end up uh, <laughs> with being one of the top weapons there? Okay. And, and you haven't looked at my, you haven't looked at my rankings? No, I look at your rankings. They're just objectively wrong. That would just steer me wrong if I'm trying to look at those. Okay. Where do you think I have him? Oh, God. And you put it like that, probably like three or something. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) That's aggressive. I have him at three. That's aggressive. Tell us why then, Colin. I I did not know this. It is. No, it, it it is definitely aggressive. But one, like you said, it's just an absolute wasteland there. Um, two, I, I liked his skill set coming out. He has a, a basketball background, and I think he very much has those traits. And I think that those are translatable as well. I think that that's something that's going to continue to carry over even in towards the NFL because he has very good ball skills. He does, you know, all of that stuff at a high level with body control, boxing out defenders, using his body very well. Um, he understands, you know, the leverage there that that takes. So I like that about him. You heard a lot of good reports about him last uh, fall coming out of USC. He won the alpha dog of their fall camp, I believe. You know, there was, it feels like, felt like every week, you know, when they recapped who had a good week, it was Michael Trey. You know, freshman tight end, though, difficult to get on the field at times, you know, unless your name's Brock Bowers. Um, but difficult to get on the field at times as a tight end. Plus, I feel like, um, Harrell, uh, Graham Harrell's mm-hmm. offense doesn't really use the tight end uh, at, at all. So I feel like he, you know, wasn't the best system for him, but he is going to Ole Miss now. Ole Miss has very little in the way of re- like proven receiving production. Uh, they have Jonathan Mingo. They're bringing in some transfers, but that's really about it. You know, they have used the tight end pretty effectively. You know, they had, um, Dawson Knox there, although that wasn't Kiffin's tenure. But and then they had um, who was the tight end? He went to the Jets. Yeah, he transferred uh, in for his final year and then left. Yeah. He ended up going to the Jets. Mm-hmm. I picked him up in a fair amount of rookie drafts. I can't remember his name right now. Yeah, that last but, clue wasn't particularly helpful. The other ones were probably better. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, they he he had a good year uh, there. Um, and Yaboa. Kenny Yaboa. Oh, Kenny Yaboa. Um, yeah, so he had a good year there that they, they use receiver. You know, Lane Kiffin is willing to use the tight end well. He used um, Harrison Bryant, I think, at FAU, right? Harrison or Hunter, one of those two, whichever the whichever Bryant there was at FAU. You're doing great, sweetie. You just Thank keep you. going. It was Harrison. <laughs> Harrison. Hunter okay. was at Washington, I believe. Okay. So it was Harrison Bryant which I was right the first time, but he used him very well at the, at FAU. So, you know, I'm not as worried about the usage there for him. So I think he's going to get good usage. I think he's very talented. And the intersection of those two, uh, there's not very many tight ends that hit that mark. And I think he's one of very, very few. So yeah, I have him at three. Hmm. I don't, um, I don't really have that strong of an opinion on him. He's my my 10 and 5. But again, I mean, I'm looking at kind of just what our composite top 10 tight ends are right now. I can't. Not great. 
and yeah and, and that's not our fault like, it's, yeah, it's, right it's, they're out there like it's like we just mm -hmm. we picked 10 random guys i mean you got your michael mayor and your brock bowers who we have tied for first place we have three we have six people ranking the these guys uh three have bowers first and and mayor second and the other three have them flipped uh so we have a dead rubber there sam laporta jaheem bell at South Carolina as a guy that I think is going to get a lot of hype. Um, Elijah Royo, second year uh, tight end at Miami. Will Mallory is still there though. I actually might have to drop a Royo a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. Mallory's just been there for forever. Um, Eric Gilbert, is that correct? Mm -hmm. um, no, why is he? He should be down a couple uh, spots. Yeah, sorry. I don't have these sorted correctly. I'm an idiot. I'm back in the raw data and not on the front side of the website. So gotcha. Uh, apologize, everybody. No, that's fine. You're okay. Okay. So we have Sam Laporta, third, tight end IOL, Elijah Rio, fourth, Jaheim Bell, fifth, Michael Trigg, sixth, Will Mallory, seventh, Jack Beck, tight end to LSU, eighth. He's a really interesting one because A, he's not actually a tight end. And I think he probably might not maintain that tight end eligibility mm -hmm. uh next year which would just absolutely like he's not worth anything as a wide receiver in my opinion he's only 205 pounds um but that's like how desperate we are we've got brant queeth at tight end and then darnell washington at georgia um i don't really feel good about like any of those guys outside of the top two um i'm actually surprised we don't have because like a couple guys that i have in my top 10 to give some people you know an, an idea here i have uh joshua simon tight end at western kentucky um, uh, probably a similar argument to Trig, although uh, obviously probably not as athletically gifted, but should uh, have a pretty nice year there. Ben Urasek, the tight end at Stanford, um, pretty athletic guy. Um, I don't love him, but it's again it's just a default thing, mm -hmm. um, you know. And I think after that, you can talk about your your Zach Kuntz's at at uh, ODU. Um, <laughs> Jaleel Billingsley, does he revive his career? At Texas, I mean, damn, it's just it's Eric it's, Gilbert. <laughs> it's it's rough out here on these streets, folks. Like this is not not yeah. good. Um, so hopefully some people come I, out this yeah. year. I, I will say Trig though is in everybody's top five except for Felix. Felix has him at forty, so that's dragging him down a little bit. That Everybody is, else is at least top five. So that is a thousand percent. Felix has <laughs> never watched. He has no idea who Michael Trigg is. He saw there were a couple names that he hadn't ranked yet. And he literally <laughs> just put them at the back of his list. And he's going to listen to this tomorrow. And he'll probably text me to confirm that that is the true story. <laughs> that is almost assuredly what has happened here, folks. Yeah, um, I, was, I think Trigg would be a guy that he would like. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably like, why isn't this guy playing wide receiver? This is <laughs> yeah. perfect for what I let him wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs> just like Troy O'Meary out there. Um, <laughs> all right. So, yeah, I, I, Jackson Dart, we don't really need to discuss him at all. He's a top 10 quarterback for all of us here. Um, and, and we'll mm -hmm. see how he develops there. Here's a story that I don't have a read on, Colin. So that I, I'm going to toss this to you here and see, see what you have to say about this. So Michigan offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis hired away to Miami. Uh, Mario Cristobal finally makes his OC hire. Um, this is a, a weird story. And I think a lot of this, the leaking that happened afterwards is probably some sour grapes from Michigan. So I take a lot of it with a grain of salt, uh, including some rumors about Gaddis and a certain <laughs> player's mom, which we are not going to discuss. Cause again, I think that's some sour grapes involved there. Yeah. But 
it's kind of hilarious <laughs> if it kind Xbox of is live go go google it if you want to find this stuff out guys uh we're, we're not gonna we're not uh you know people magazine here uh, mm-hmm. with the juicy gossip um he did apparently send a text though to the players at at michigan and said you know i'm on my way out because the last few weeks i've made it very clear that i'm not valued the way here that i should be uh implying that probably they weren't going to consider him for the head coaching job uh if harbaugh were to leave um so regardless, I mean, he's leaving. I don't think we don't know the impact at Michigan yet. I don't think we necessarily there will be one. But what is the impact of him going to Miami now? They have some pieces there. Tyler Van Dyke at quarterback, Jalen Knighton, uh, Trevante Citizen, who we talked about last week, true freshman running back. We thought we said probably Florida or LSU chose Miami on signing day. So he'll be there. Uh, Don Chaney, um, uh, Thad Franklin, uh, wide receiver. They've got. A lot of unproven guys, really. Uh, Romello Brinson, Keyshawn Smith. Um, I'm forgetting some names. Who's the other one in that trio? I don't even know anymore. I don't even know anymore. Too many names. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but is is this the best? Like, are we happy about this move from a pure fantasy perspective? As you know, people that 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 like the pieces on Miami. The biggest thing for me is I don't know, and I'm sure, you know, a Michigan fan can correct me, Kevin, Kevin Coleman, Felix, we have enough Michigan fans at the site. Somebody can correct me. Um, but I don't know what Gaddis's impact was on that offense overall. And like, what was Gaddis versus what was Harbaugh? I mean, their offense, you know, this year was, um, above average in offensive pass EPA and offensive rush EPA per play. But this is very, you know, based on the results at the end of the year, very clearly one of their best years, you know, they had a very efficient offense, um, even if it wasn't always producing the most volume, you know, beyond that, you know, last year their rushing EPA was above average or their was below average pass was above, you know, the other years. So it's, it's, it's been very up and down. After that, so, but I don't know what Gaddis's impact is on that. I'm hoping it was more Harbaugh than Gaddis, just because I don't think they're gonna. I don't think Harbaugh's system, if that you know, or whatever Michigan's system was with Gaddis, if that goes to Miami, I don't think it's necessarily gonna ruin Van Dyke and some of those other pieces. But I don't think it's gonna help them. I don't think it's gonna elevate them. You know, we weren't really clamoring for pieces of Michigan's offense from a fantasy standpoint. So I'm hoping Gaddis can kind of do his own thing there. Muted. Yeah, I see that. Uh, the reason that I am so hesitant to to lean either way on this is because I don't think we we really we have yet to have an instance of him having basically complete control over an offense. Right. His last three stops in his career that span back to 2014. Um, he was obviously the offense coordinator at Michigan the past couple of years. I think Harbaugh probably had a decent amount of say uh, into everything going on there, like you stated before. Um, he was at, at Alabama. He was their co-offensive coordinator in 2018. So again, I don't, I don't, I don't think he, you know, was the mastermind there by any stretch of the imagination. But again, he ran the ball that season, or they ran the ball 38 times a game, passed it 29. So again, a, a huge tilt toward um 
uh, rushing the ball. And then before that, he was the passing game coordinator at Penn State from 2014 to 2017. And just going back and looking at some of those Penn State offenses, again, not particularly good. Ran the ball 38-ish times mm-hmm. a game and passed the ball uh, uh, fewer than 30. Um, and, and he worked with Trace McSorley there. So, you know, it wasn't like he actively ruined any life. <laughs> I don't think Trace McSorley was ever it. Um, so I, I think the jury is going to be majorly out on this. I know Felix Sharp here at Campus Canton did a YouTube video just kind of breaking down his thoughts on the move. If you want to go check that out on our YouTube, uh, go ahead and do that. It's like the most recent or second most recent video on there or something. Um, but I, I think this is very much a wait and see, um, but I don't think this is a boon right. for Miami. Like I, I very much, and I would be shocked if this ever becomes a slam dunk fantasy hire as far as we're concerned. Yeah, I completely agree. Like I said, I wait and see approach there as well, but I'm cautiously pessimistic. I would say. I don't think it's, I'm not, I'm leaning. The, more the best pessimism. is the best. It, the best that, that has like, they do the same as last year, maybe like pace wise that that feels like the, the range for me. And then obviously yeah. there's a lot of room uh, below that as well. Yeah. Um, last piece of news. And I was really hoping that we would get some sort of clarity on this here before tonight, but it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. Um, head coach at Auburn, Brian Harson is under fire uh, for a multitude of reasons. Since I don't think is left over from the Gus Malzahn area, particularly like him as a whole. Obviously, there are a couple guys that that have been vocal about having his back, um, but it doesn't seem like the players like him very much. They had a disappointing season last year, a very poor recruiting class this year. There's like very little to be excited about at all. Uh, if I'm an Auburn fan, especially on the offensive side of the football, actually, it's like a total train wreck, um, and that's probably being generous. They've lost a ton of players to the portal this offseason. They've lost coaches. They they had an offensive coordinator come in and leave like six weeks later. Um, it, it, and there's you know multiple stories as to why that was. Their defense coordinator left for a, a reportedly Derek Derek Mason was their defense coordinator. He reportedly left for a four hundred thousand dollar pay decrease to go to Oklahoma State. That's how badly he wanted out of Auburn. It seems like a sinking ship. So without any news on Brian Hardison, I guess we can't really react to this per se, but I mean, is there a bigger sell out there right right now than players on Auburn? Any player on Auburn? Take your pick. Um, everybody except for Bigsby, yeah. I'm not ready to overreact too much on this based on Bigsby. Um, you know, Bigsby performed well the year before under Malzahn. You know, he struggled a little bit last year at times, but ultimately it wasn't a bad year for him. You know, it was a bit of, it, it was a bit underwhelming, but it, like I said, it wasn't bad. Uh, but, you know, I, I've heard some things that, like you said, that it's, some of the boosters and stuff like that didn't necessarily want Harson to be the call. And I think it was the AD kind of made that call on his own. And I think it was a good hire. Like I like Harson. So 
you know, you talked about sour grapes a little bit before. I think that could be something here too. And I, I haven't really heard all of the details on what the like scandals are going on around him. Apparently it, it, it you know, so I don't want to speculate too much on that. So we'll I see think how it's that pretty uh, a hard fact now that he was probably sleeping with a member of the student body. Mm. Okay. I was going to say, I, I kind of heard that. Or, um, or, you know, worked in the office or so, a recent grad that worked in the yeah. office or something, but she's she, very, very young subordinate at best. Yeah. So not great there, but, you know, so we'll, we'll see how that ends up shaking up. I mean, it's certainly a reason if they're looking for him to get looking for one to get rid of him, but just strictly as a coach, I still think Harson's good. So. So I'm going to disagree with you. I think he's not a very good coach. I think he's good for what we want for fantasy, but I don't think he's a good football coach by all accounts. Okay. I mean, no, I mean, that's that's fair. So uh, uh, that's Boise, kind of where I was. Boise fans apparently were like, bye, see ya. Like, go, goodbye, have fun in Auburn. Like, they couldn't get rid of him enough. Um, Auburn was bad last year. Does Auburn win four games this year? Wow. I mean, who's so? I mean, that sounds ridiculous. It's Auburn, you know. They they've won a national championship in the past decade ish, uh, and, and been a contender a couple other times. But who's their starting quarterback next year, Colin? Probably Zach Calzada. Although Robbie Ashford's very interesting. T.J. Finley. I mean, eh, we saw enough of that. I don't need that. In any, I'm good. I don't think any of those players are good, though. That's fair. Zach, Zach Calzada is your best. He took a Texas A&M roster that, according to for Texas A&M, found in the world is the most loaded roster ever, and they only won eight games last year. This Auburn <laughs> team is significantly worse than than that. Who? I mean, their offensive line was poor last year. They aren't bringing anybody in. The defense loses a couple playmakers. Here's their schedule for next year, Colin, and just tell me where you see the wins here. Week one, they play home against Mercer. Probably a win. Probably, yeah. Probably chalk that one up. Probably a win, although if things continue to go poorly and Brian Harson is still there, that, that's like a Miami against who did they play last year and they almost lost. That was like a very like an FCS. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> was it Georgia something? Yeah. Not it Georgia. Was some... It wasn't Georgia State or Georgia Southern. No, it was an FCS school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or D2 like even a, maybe. Yeah, it was like Georgia. I feel like it was like Georgia something. Or maybe Charleston. Regardless. So they play yeah. Mercer Week One, they play San Jose State. Uh, week two. Um, I think that's a win. I mean, they did bread in Chevon Cordero. So, you know, maybe they're, they're not bad, but I, I don't think they're Auburn's level. And that's in Auburn, Penn state week three, again, in Auburn, they played the first five games in Auburn. So that's going to wow. help them a little bit. Really? Yeah. I just had to do a how they work that out sure. schedule wise, five yeah. straight home games. Yeah, well, I'll tell season. you what the away games are in order, and then it will make some right. more sense as to what's about to happen here. That's fair. Um, am I being too much of a homer to say that I think Penn State wins that? No. I think Penn State's a better team? No, I don't think that's ridiculous at all. Okay. Missouri at home, week four. I think Missouri can beat them. I think Missouri can beat them. It'll be interesting to see Brady Cook and how he handles that offense. He looked good to end the year, but small sample size, so we'll see. And they lost Beatty, who was a massive portion of that offense. So we'll see how they replace that. LSU the next week. Yeah, I, I give that to LSU. I, they have a talented roster, and I think we don't love Brian Kelly, but I think he can win games. 
And then here are the games after that, Colin. At Georgia. L. At Ole Miss. Probably an L. Yeah, I think that's an L. Home against Arkansas. I think that's an L. At Mississippi State. Sometimes Mississippi State has a ch- the tendency to just have a massive dud for no reason, but I'm going to say L. Uh, Texas A&M at home. L. Western Kentucky. This is not last year's Western Kentucky. Yeah, but that's I, what makes me think they could beat them. And then Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Obviously L. Like, Western Kentucky's interesting with Jarrett Dogie quarterback. He has some, you know, P5 experience. So maybe. If, if they don't win four of those first five in that home stretch, they will not make a bowl game. I feel pretty I good that's saying fair. that. I think that's fair. So, I mean, this is an Auburn team. Like, I, if you're an Auburn fan, you have a long couple of years here. Because at this point, all the good coaching candidates are gone as well. Like, you've waited so long mm-hmm. into the offseason. There's very few possibilities in which you want to go wake up some retired guy or something. Go get Joe Brady. Joe Brady just signed as the <laughs> quarterback coach or something. Yeah, at, no, I know. Buffalo, it, didn't it he, with right? Buffalo, yeah. So, I mean, there's not a lot of options. Yeah, no, there's definitely not. So, I think it's hard to it's hard to get rid of Harson at this point because there's just not any better options. So, he could kind of be a lame duck coach this year and then get canned. I don't think that's a limiting factor. I think they're trying to find a way to not pay him and get rid of him ASAP. That could be too. I, I think that's the what they're trying to do. Um, we'll see if that plays out or not. All right, Colin. Um, we updated the rankings. We can say that. Um, we can. Early, uh, late last week or weekend. It's one of the two. Uh, yeah, I think it was Saturday I did that, I think. Okay. Um, rankings have been updated. No, Friday first, night. Friday night. Okay, it's our first major uh, ranking update of the off season. We purged all of the guys leaving college are now obviously in the the rookie and Canton rankings, uh, and the campus rankings obviously are without them. We have not grouped freshmen in with them yet. Freshmen are still kind of their own separate category. They'll be grouped in once spring happens, and we kind of uh, start to gain uh, a little more information there. Um, but I think this this update is is significant. I don't want to say it's always significant because this is our first year on the site, obviously flipping them over at campuscan.com. Um but it is, you know, you you're really shifting a lot of guys that made up the bulk of the top of your rankings, especially out. Mm-hmm. You know, my wide receiver rankings were very thin after we moved out a, a lot of these guys, and it really makes you kind of start to think more about how you really have guys ranked, how you really have them valued. It it took me a couple of weeks to really kind of figure out some of these. And I'm still like, we were talking before the show, like I think I've got like 31 at wide receiver that I feel really good about. And then it's just like a hundred players that I just need more information about. Like I nominally have them ranked right now, but I don't feel great about, you know, specific ordering for, for a lot of different places. It, but regardless, I mean, I think you know, now that we've got this first this first big shift here published, um, just wanted to kind of touch on a couple of key areas, um, some different categories that you know maybe, and what our thought processes were as we were going through them. So, um, a, a player maybe that 
that jumped up your rankings a lot at any position, Colin. Doesn't it doesn't matter which one. Um, who kind of you know re, you reevaluated and, and liked more than you did uh, previously? Well, you know, like we said, we were talking a little bit pre-show, and I'll say that you know the obvious one here is Jermaine Burton. You know, I think that the move to Bama was huge. So obviously he was a bump up there, but you know, relatively speaking, he didn't bump up that many spots. Somebody that did move up a lot for me is wide receiver Tavion Robinson um, was at Virginia tech transferring to Kentucky. I liked Tavion Robinson's game at Virginia tech. I just thought that, you know, he was kind of underutilized there. It wasn't like the best offense. Um, you know, I mean, he did as a true freshman, you know, he ranked third on the team in yards and touchdowns. Um, he was on PFF's college all freshman team as a punt returner. So he got on the field early and produced, um, you know, 31, 404 and a touchdown, 132 yards rushing. Um, and he had some, some kick return touchdowns too. Then, you know, 2022 or 2020, um, he was second on the team in yard receptions, yards, and touchdowns. And then 2021, he led the team in all of those categories. So he just kept incrementally getting better and better at Virginia Tech. Um, but now he's going to Kentucky, a Kentucky team that vacates almost 60% of the receptions, almost 66% of the receiving yards, which is something you highlighted on a previous episode. And Wandale Robinson was the fantasy, was the wide receiver 14 in fantasy on a points per game basis this past year. I don't think that Tavion duplicates Wandale's stats. You know, Wandale had a fantastic year, but honestly, I do think he has a really good opportunity to, to replace a significant portion of that production. And you know, they don't really have much else uh, in the passing game in that offense. You know, I think they can use um I think they can use Tavion Robinson in a very similar way as Wandale, you know, not identical, but they can do some of the same things with him. Because Robinson is a quick twitch athlete as well. Um, you know, he was used in a number of different ways of Virginia Tech. He's outside in the slot, sweeps, return games. You know, they just wanted to get the ball in his hands. And I think Kentucky could do the same thing. Just get the ball in his hands and let the kid go make plays. So I think that there's, I think the people are kind of, you know, have not quite caught up to the opportunity that could present to Tavion this year. And I'm sorry, I did, if I missed it, where do you have him now? Oh, you didn't miss it. I didn't say. That's okay. Point. I, I didn't think I did, but I sometimes do tune you out. So no, that's fair. I just kind of get going sometimes. Um, I have him as the wide receiver 42 right now. Okay. And do you know roughly where you had him before or exactly? I mean, I, I don't know exactly where I had my guys, so. I don't have it pull. I don't have like the the copies, like the old rankings that we have pulled up, so I could say for sure before. But I would be surprised if it was higher than eighty. Okay. I had him before. It's probably closer to like ninety. Okay. Um, interesting. So I have Tavion at forty five. So we're very very close. And actually, um, I'm looking at our rankings now, and I suspect four of us were much more. Um, up to date in our rankings than the other two rankers. Uh, <laughs> and we have Tavion, the four of us, 39th, 45th, 42nd, 39th. So that feels like a pretty good like right range, in his range. Yeah. for him there. Yeah. 
I'm actually apparently I'm the low guy on him at 45 out of that group. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought wow, that was Alfred, a, yeah, Alfred and Matt both have him yeah. ranked higher than I do. Yeah, yeah. So, um, why? Wow, so you just gave away who the two uh, the two non-rankers were there <laughs> uh, with that one. No, that's that's good. So I um I, a guy that I have bumped up a lot, and I think went even higher than I anticipated him going when I sat down to do this is Montreal Johnson, running back at now Florida, coming over from uh, Louisiana Lafayette. And I actually bumped him even a couple more spots after signing day. Billy Napier has tended to run a heavier rushing offense. I think Billy Napier is such a hard guy to pin down, and it's been some of the reason why I'm not necessarily a big fan of the hire. But I, I recognize that there's a wide range of outcomes for him because we just don't know... Exactly, like we haven't seen him in this big of a job to know exactly what he's going to do from an offensive perspective, from a recruiting perspective. Like, I don't think we have a very good idea, but traditionally, he's been a heavy rush attack guy, and especially the last couple of years at UL, he's rotated the backfield pretty significantly multiple guys get a lot of touches and obviously Montreal, we saw him there was the most productive back at UL last season. So I, I, do they do the same thing at Florida? I do think is a big question. I think it's an important question because I do think there's a chance that maybe they don't. If you're Florida and you can go out and actually get a real quarterback, no offense to UL and you can get some real receivers does that change the calculus for you at all? But if they, let's assume that they do not, that he kind of stays consistent with what they've done the past few years. Montreal Johnson is, is rocket ship emoji guys. He's got NFL size already. Um, he's looks to be an NFL level athlete. I, we don't, I mean, he's such a low rated recruit that he obviously wasn't invited to a lot of these different events. So we don't have verified times for him, but, he looks to be a very good athlete. He scored what 99 yard touchdown last season, right? Or mm-hmm. close to that. Um, yeah. O- over 90 yards. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it, it was long. <laughs> he ran fast. He ran far. Um, <laughs> the only other like real guy there is Demarcus Bowman. And it's been brought to my attention. I think your attention as well this mm-hmm. week, courtesy yeah. of uh, Alfred J. Fernandez of campus Florida has DeMarcus Bowman listed at 183. How? How? This kid is in his third year in college, a five-star recruit. He was listed heavier than that coming out of high school. And, you know, running back is not a position traditionally where colleges undersell your weight as the he listed. No. So that 183, like... It's probably not a fib. He's probably within a couple pounds of that. So Montreal is probably the most bell cowish back on a team that runs the ball a ton. So I, I've bumped Montreal Johnson up really, really high in my rankings. And again, after that DeMarcus Bowman realization, I, I bumped him up even a little bit more. Um, but I have Montreal Johnson as my RB... 26 and to give you the range of the other guys in that range right now i have him close to tavion thomas at utah lou nichols at cmu 
Uh, Xavier Valade, I know our CFF guys aren't a fan of him, but I think his transfer to Arizona State is going to be really good for him this year. Joquavius Same. Marks at Mississippi State, Chris Tyree. Uh, like That's the range I have him in. And that actually might even be too light. Like I might even have to bump him up a couple spots. Like I, I think there's a real chance that he ends up 1,200 yards this season. He can't declare for the draft yet, right? No, I don't believe. So. Well, actually, I think he might have been a redshirt freshman. Yeah, this past year. I think you're right. As I so say I think that. he could. Oh yeah, we have him as potentially class of 2023. So yes, um, but I like I. I don't know what to make of this Florida offense at all. I mean, it could be a choke train wreck this year, but he might be the bright spot in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think he's the option in that offense that you feel like the best about at least, you know, he's done it in Billy Napier's system before. Like you said that, that the DeMarcus Bowman news really surprised me. Um, I just bumped Montreal Johnson up a couple spots again. Uh, I believe I had him at about 46, 47 ish. I just bumped him up to 35, like literally right now as we were talking, because I, you know, was I had done the rankings a little bit before that, um, you know, so I, I hadn't gone back and updated it since that news had come out. Um, but it's certainly certainly a factor. You know, Demarcus Bowman can be electric, you know, and he is, you know, when he has the ball in his hands, uh, you know, so he can be very good back but at 183 what's the nfl projection there you know like you said montreal johnson's the guy that seems the safest projection to the nfl as well so that's you know you, you gotta bump him up yeah so i i think i'm interested to see exactly where his adp ends up i think these drafts still haven't caught on to some of these shifts yet mm-hmm. um so, yeah, I'm interested to see exactly where he goes. How about a player that dropped for you a decent amount, Colin? A player that dropped for me, this one kind of hurts because the guy that I was um, talking up a lot last year and just he really, really underperformed. It's Austin Jones from formerly from Stanford, has now transferred to USC. Um, you know, two years ago, during the COVID season, the Pac-12 had a shortened year. Then we played six games. We had 550 yards, nine touchdowns, 21 catches, 156 yards. You know, he looked good. And then last year, through 11 games, he had less carries with 107, less yards with 378. Wow. You had to interrupt you had to interrupt me to say to say fewer. It's my Stannis moment. Fewer touchdowns with two. He did have more catches with 33, you know, more receiving yards, 275, but just really disappointed last year. Now he's going to USC where they brought in Travis Dye. You know, they still have Brandon Campbell from last year. They bring in Relique Brown. And, you know, we don't really like Relique Brown that much as far as like NFL potential. But I think that Relique Brown can, I don't think Austin Jones is a substantially better receiver than Relique Brown. Um, You know, he'll probably earn a lot of that receiving work this year just because Brown is a freshman. But it wouldn't really surprise me if they split that work. 
So I don't know what kind of role Austin Jones is looking at, to be honest with you, this year. So he's a guy that plummeted for me. Um, I have him down as my RB73 right now, and honestly, that feels like it may even be a little too high at times. Yeah, I don't know how that backfield shakes out at all. Um, I know, I mean, obviously Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma was not afraid to rotate a couple backs, not as mm-hmm. prolifically as Billy Napier. Um, but that could be a situation where Travis Dye gets 120 carries, Austin Jones gets 90, really Brown. Well, I don't even know if really Brown plays that much, man. I tweeted out this thing earlier today that upset all the stands that <laughs> he's not 185 pounds, guys. Like that's He's not 185 pounds. If he's 185 pounds, I'm 185 pounds. I'm definitely the opposite direction of 185. <laughs> and he, he is, um, but I'm also not five, six and a half, which is what he probably is actually from a height uh, standpoint. So, um, yeah, I think that's a that's a tough one to predict. I, I don't uh, I don't know how that back. I don't. It might just be a case of none of those guys are someone that I really want for fantasy. And at that point, mm-hmm. you know, Jones uh, and Die limited NFL upside feels. Mm-hmm fair so yeah but i think between the two die probably has more i guess it's like asking and never mind that's inappropriate <laughs> um <laughs> probably neither which i've said and we'll stick with that we'll stick with that um so i dropped i dropped your guy ty thompson i'm sorry colin um i didn't want to do it i mean i did because it would you upset did. you but also no, i didn't did. want to do it um but i did it um ty thompson i feel slightly vindicated for this take first off because i think i got some pushback especially from you and matt was it matt last off somebody last off season that or i said that jackson dart was like my qb6 or something in the class and i said i think after him i don't feel great about saying this guy is obviously the starter at whatever school they're at last year. And that included Ty Thompson, Oregon, Drake May at UNC, who I still think the jury's out on. There were a couple of these guys loaded. where I was like, I don't think this is a guaranteed situation. No? It's loaded. What's loaded? This this whole response. It's a loaded, it's a loaded response. You, you didn't think, know Christopher was I'm, living. You think I'm petty and well, so yes. the problem was that I thought that Ty Thompson, like if Ty Thompson was good enough it wouldn't matter that Bo Nix was going there because Bo Nix is not a good football player. So just saying, but you think I would put that in there just to take a dig at you on the show? Yeah. A hundred percent. I didn't see that you had that on there until now. Oh, and I, yeah, I didn't change it right before. I swear. I was on. I believe you. I believe you. I didn't look that closely. I think you put that on there on purpose, but I'm also pretty sure you can't read. So, but we didn't know Crystal Ball was leaving. Crystal Ball is the guy who recruited him. This new OC has experience with Bo Nix. I don't know I, that it was a guarantee that he was going to be there, like that he that Ty Thompson would have started anyway. This is what I've been saying. Mm. Okay, so next mm. week we're going to take Campus Life off. I'm just going to go back and clip all the times where I talk about why I don't think Ty Thompson is the starter there in 2022. And then that's going to be next week's episode. Colin. It just then, feels a little and, revisionist. And then I'm just going to find a clip of you saying, uh, and I'm going to drag it out for like 30 seconds. And it's just going to be you going, uh, in response. That's going to be the whole show next week, guys. <laughs> so don't even bother tuning in. No, please tune in. That won't be the show. Um, yes, that was a little revisionist. That was always my, Okay. 
a free so we guys we are upgrading to um champion garb on all of our stuff on viridian global if you haven't already noticed uh we've released some items on there and the others will be coming momentarily if somebody wants to go back somebody that listens to this show wants to go back and find the times where I say that Ty Thompson will not be the starter in 2022 for I'm Oregon. Si- I will buy I you know. whatever you want in the new line of swag. You should probably. And I will send it to you. Probably because I don't want to do that bit. work, but I'm happy to help you. Those who help me. You have said that. I'm not denying that. But what I'm saying is the. I think Mario Cristobal leaving, which was a surprise to everybody. Nobody saw this coming is a oh, big I, I fact. Called it. I didn't call that. It was a big factor in why he is not going to be the starter. He is significantly better than Jay Butterfield. I think he's significantly better than Robbie Ashford, who you just called intriguing. He is intriguing from a fantasy perspective. He's athletic. Um, mixed signals, Colin. I'm not denying Robbie Ashford's intriguing. But anyway, so I think he's significantly better than Butterfield. I think he's better than Ashford. Uh, He's better than Anthony Brown from last year, too. Anthony Brown is terrible, but they continue to roll him out there, which may be an indictment on Thompson. I'm fully willing to acknowledge that. And Thompson has dropped in my rankings, so I'm not denying that either. I'm just saying it's a little harsh to say that you knew he wasn't going to be the starter when the coach who brought him in surprisingly left. I don't know, man. I don't know. Regardless, <laughs> Ty Thompson is not the starter going into the season. Does he take that job half the way halfway through? I think Oregon would have to be doing pretty poorly as a team and i'm just mm-hmm. not sure they'll be there because the pac-12 is not great they do have some tough out of conference games i believe they have ohio state yeah. uh, again this year um so i do think there there are some questions there as to whether ty thompson can take that job later but i ultimately if, think he transfers this spring but i don't like and that probably isn't a good thing for him either i think probably i mean not. in an ideal world we don't you don't really want players to transfer even though we are mm-hmm. now recognized that the transfer portal can be a tool for some of them, like in a perfect world, they they go to where they go to school. At worst, worst, they sit a season and then they step into a role. Like, because now you're playing calculus on a whole, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. Here, you know, like I'm just like, this is just, you know, I don't think we've really had that conversation yet. You know what I mean? Like the transfer portal is a good thing for players. But it still might not be a good thing for players, depending on, you know, what's available to them, where they end up. Um so that 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 adds another wrench to the things. I mean, a defensive head coach, you don't love that. No. Um, I, I've dropped him to 37th or 38th in my quarterback rankings. Just to give you an idea of the guys I have around him. He's sandwiched between Jalen Milrow and Preston Stone, two other guys that aren't going to play this year. Uh, at, at Bama and SMU, respectively. He's behind a guy like Daquan Finn at Toledo, who I think is going to be a huge fantasy producer this year. Adrian Martinez, Cameron Rising, Sam Hartman, Garrett Schrader, um, Clay Millen even, I'll take a chance on him. So I, I, um, I, I just had to drop Ty Thompson. I think he's a guy that you know we might never really see 
what we thought we could see just because of how complicated that situation got so quickly. Yeah, I I dropped him as, as well. Um, he's down to my QB 25, may even drop a little bit more. But like I said, I think he can transfer this spring. I, th I think that's probably the most likely because that nobody on that staff is there that brought him in. I don't know where he ends up. You know, that'll be another discussion for another day. But, you know, I think he's he'll, at this point, he'll probably try and battle it out in the spring. And if he's still behind Bo Nix, like we expect, then I think we could see him move. And then I'm willing to move him back up because I like Ty Thompson. If you haven't been able to tell by one of the more staunch uh, stances that I've taken against Austin. And you still were but a speed bump to my, you know, just but don't as I drive over you there with that with that <laughs> discussion. Um, <laughs> but I, I appreciate the banter, Colin. Thank you so much for that. Um, so I give you good banter on here, unlike on Canton Bound, where you just <laughs> shut down and poo-poo all of my all of my ideas. So one last question for you here, man. <laughs> I wonder what would happen if we flipped the order in which you re recorded those, because I feel like by Thursday nights. I'm just so done for the week. <laughs> in addition to me just like not caring that much about the subject matter, I'm just so done by Thursday night. It's incredible. Um, it is your third podcast of the week. Yes, it's my third show of the week. Um, Minimum. So, all right, Colin. So I just have one final question for you on the rankings. We'll do a freshman profile and we'll get the people out of here. Sometimes you just have a player that you just don't know what to do with at all. Who is that guy for you right now? Like we need more information or like, I mean, just there could be a variety of reasons. So the guy that I just don't know what to do with is DJU at Clemson. And part of the reason I just don't know what to do with him is because, you know, I mean, we, we saw his freshman year. He looked good. Last year, he looked terrible, but those skills, the, the traits and those like the tools that he has didn't go anywhere. They're still there. Um, but so I, I have a hard time ranking him lower than where I have him. I have him as my QB 26. And that feels too high. But I, I have a hard time going lower than that just because, like I said, he's got those – he's got really, really good tools. So I just – I don't know what to do with him. I, I He's not anybody that I'm going to be drafting. I think there's going to be other people who still will hold out hope and will take him earlier than I would. But I just – I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know what to do with him. You know, like I said, 26 feels too high, but – it also feels too low. It's, I don't know. I have him even lower than you do. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I, I think it's a really good question. I have DJU at 33 and that's, that actually feels high to me still. Like, I think I, I forget where I saw this, who, who put it out there. It might've been stats, uh, stats of war. Who's a really good account on Twitter. Um, but it might not have been, um, on like EPA per play or something last year, he was like the 120th quarterback in, in the FBS or something like atrocious, atrocious, honestly. Um, like just like there's like the replacement line. Like he was way below it. 
he he was quite frankly terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he rebounds this year. I really don't. I think Kate Klubnik takes that job by midseason. I don't even I don't even know if that's bold at this point. Like because Dabo will will you know hook a guy out of there. He's done it. He's not afraid to do that. Yeah. No, he's not, and and that wouldn't really surprise me that much either. But man, like I said, I don't know. It just I don't know. I don't know what to do with him. I want to rank him lower. I just have a hard time actually moving him down the list even further than that. Like Spencer Rattler at least made his way back up the list a little bit because he's going to South Carolina. It's a new opportunity. I might even be still too high on him at least, but I feel better about him being higher. But man, I just, yeah, DJU I have a hard time with. Yeah, like I I, I need to really, really revisit where I have him still. Because I like, I, literally every time I open my quarterbacks, I'm like, oh, DJU's still too high. DJU's mm-hmm. still too high. I just can't like, I don't know. I don't know where I want to drop him to, but it's going to be, it's going to be gross at some point. So I actually like, I didn't have a good answer for that. Well, I have a lot of really good answers. Yeah. Yeah. You have like six. Yeah. So I'm just, like, I'm going to just say like some of my running backs and specifically running backs that we thought were going to be productive and or secure a specific role last year and were unable to. And I just pulled out three quick ones here, but there's a handful of others as well. Marshawn Lloyd at South Carolina. I have no read on that offense at all this year. Um, I, I really, really don't. Um, Kamaro Edmonds at UNC, a guy that we kind of talked about. We said we thought we might prefer Caleb Hood just purely based on cost. Neither of them really got it going last year. Um, we were talking with, I don't know if you were part of this conversation or not, Colin, uh, with David uh, solving football uh, with us uh, works in our uh, recruiting group. Kamaro Edmonds was listed like 195 and then his senior year, he just gained 30 pounds and he looked terrible. Like, I don't think he's a 225 pound back. Like he shouldn't be like, Maybe someone gets in his ear and tells him to lose weight. That's that's his only hope, in my opinion. And then Eric Gray is another guy. Like, I don't know where to rank him. Does he rebound without Lincoln Riley there, without Kennedy Brooks there? Does he get lost again? I kind of think him and, and Sawchuck, there's a lot of overlap there. And then you've got, you know, Marcus Major and um, uh, what Javante Barnes. Like, what does that split look like? I don't think we necessarily know. So... Those are three guys, but I think there's some other running backs too that just didn't really secure a role last year when there was one there for the taking. And now I'm not sure if they can rebound this year or if I should just flat out fade them. It's going to be a lot of spring battles to watch. You're muted. I don't know how far you got into that soliloquy without a... Now I think you're just messing with me. You're still muted. Oops. <laughs> I said you were muted realize. and you just kept talking. Oh, I didn't hear you say that. Oh, okay. Well, that's awkward. Okay, that's probably my edit. <laughs> uh, continue on. Um, no, I, I think those guys are, are in are in very muddled backfields. And, I, and those are two of the backfields that we're going to have to keep a close eye on this year because I think they're two backfields that can be, you know, provided they don't split up touches too much. Whoever is the starter there, I think can be very effective and efficient for fantasy. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the problem for a lot of these guys, I think, is that like their ADP is just going to be way too high that I would mm-hmm. like for anything that I'm comfortable spending. I don't have it pulled up for all these guys. If I was a good podcast host, I would have all of them up here already. But DJU is a top 20 quarterback. Um, uh, DJU, he's actually slid over the past uh, month or so, which is good. Uh, but he is still our QB 11, which is just gross. Um, and then those running backs. I know it's the time of year where people kind of draft based on, you know, names they're comfortable and familiar with, but Marshawn Lloyd is uh, RB 36, ADP of 77 overall. Uh, our Edmonds is RB 55, 130 overall. That still seems a little expensive for him, um, but not as bad as I actually thought it was. And then Eric Ray is... I don't even see Eric Ray in here. Eric Ray is RB64. Now, that's actually a price worth considering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually not bad. Hmm. Interesting. Kane, uh, Kane Fassell must not have been in any of those yet. No, no. Um, <laughs> he's a, he was a big Eric Ray guy last he was. year. I, I don't know if he still mm-hmm. is or not. I have to ask him. I don't know. Um, see what see what he's got. We'll get him so, on. We'll get him on to talk about it. We'll book him. Yeah, we'll have his our people call his people. All right, so mm-hmm. Freshman Profiles, Colin. Uh, we did not do them last week. Did we do them last week? No, because we talked signing day. Yeah, you're right. Um, but we've got two new ones this week. Uh, do you like AJ Duffy? Um, mm, yeah, sometimes he has. He, well, thank you for leading me right into it. My guy is AJ Duffy, uh, four star quarterback going to Florida State. He's number eight QB. Uh, by the composite, he was at IMG Academy for his senior year. He missed his entire junior year in California due to the COVID season. Um, he has a strong arm. And I think he puts plenty of zip on the ball. You see throws outside the hashes. He can heave it deep. I think he's a good athlete. He can break long touchdown runs. He's a threat with his legs. Uh, he maneuvers the pocket pretty well. He keeps his eyes downfield even when he does start to scramble. I mean, he's a gunslinger. You know, he's a true gunslinger. He's not afraid to fire the ball into tight windows. You know, he's going to let his wide receivers go make a play. He has good accuracy and ball placement. I think he does a good job keeping the ball where his guy can get it. But he trusts his arm too much at times. He really does not move through progressions as well. Um, He's going to lock into that first option. And if he thinks he's got a window there, he's going to fire it in there. Um you know, or he'll pull it down. Uh, you know, he'll he'll move over the pocket. He'll lock onto that first read. He'll keep moving and moving and wait for him to try to get open. And then when he doesn't, then he'll take off and run. So it looks like he's so he's keeping his eyes downfield as he's maneuvering the pocket, but he doesn't move off that first guy, uh, which is is kind of frustrating. Um, I, I think he also needs to take something off of it, off of passes. He really only throws a fastball. You know, there's not a lot of varying in the speed there. Um, while he looks really good with his ball placement, sometimes it's not very consistent. Um, you know, one play that the ball placement is fantastic. The next play it's, you know, definitely leaves something to be desired. So traits wise, I like Duffy. I think he has some very nice traits. Uh, I do like the aggressive mentality. I think that's easier to dial back than it is to ramp up. 
So I do like it in, you know, in, in some cases. So I do like that in him. So overall, I like Duffy, but I definitely, definitely have some concerns with him. I think he's fairly refined as a passer. Um, to the point where I, I don't ever see like this huge ceiling for him, but I think he can be a very good college quarterback and get drafted. The ceiling just isn't there. I think he's pretty solid in structure, and I think his out of structure could use some work, but it's not awful. Like the instincts are, are sort of there. Um, I tweeted out that I thought he's a safer player than JJ McCarthy a couple of months ago. And I believe I had one of the IMG coaches message me and ask me what the bleep I was talking about, but I'll stand by it. Um, <laughs> JJ McCarthy, just atrocious in structure um, to the point where I don't know if he could ever learn to do it under Jim. Hart. Very good outside of structure. Yes. He's excellent. <laughs> he's amazing outside of structure. That's literally every throw from him this past season is him just scrambling and throwing a 60 yard bomb. Cause his dude just wide open down the left sideline. It's like every play of his this season. Um, so yeah, I like Duffy. I mean, Florida state, I don't know if we know if that's a good spot. Like, do you think that's a good spot for him? I mean, just, it, I think it's a, a good whole. opportunity for him to get on the field early. Uh, I don't really particularly think that highly of tra of Jordan Travis. Um, you know, so I could see him pushing for some playing time potentially this year. But after that, I think Jordan Travis is out of eligibility. I think, you know, it's hard to say with the COVID year, but I, I could definitely see him being a guy that we are assuming is going to step safely, assuming is going to step into the role year two. I don't think we're going to get into a heated argument about that. Yeah, I. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think he's a decent player. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have him. Uh, is my QB uh, 10. Um, but there is like a decent side. Like that's where my tier break is. He's my first quarterback in tier three. Yeah, I have him as my QB uh, 13. Um, so not a, not a bad player, um, but not a guy that I, I expect, you know, the world out of. Um, so I chose wide receiver Antonio, Antonio Williams, who's going to Clemson. And I think... Antonio Williams is one of my is going to be one of my players that I'm just higher on than a lot of people this offseason. I'll probably end up with a lot of him. I think, he, in my opinion, and this is probably one of my bigger hot takes in the 2022 freshman class, I think he is the best wide receiver going to Clemson in the class. And that means better Ooh. than Adam Randall, who a lot of people really, really, really like. Um, I just think Antonio Williams is more projectable at this point. Um, and is also just fits perfectly into the archetype of player that I prefer. He's six foot, 180 pounds, um, out of Dutch Fork, South Carolina. Um, went to the All American Bowl, uh, looked really, really good there. It reportedly was like the best route runner in practice, uh, which doesn't really surprise me. Um, he's also just a supreme athlete. He's really, really fast. He's got elite or just so I wrote just short of elite high school football speed. I think, you know, he's he's fast. He's not quite Barry and Brown fast. He's not quite Isaiah Vaughn fast, but he he's he's near that group. And of the faster wide receivers in the class, I think he's my third favorite uh, behind those two guys that I mentioned previously. Uh, but it's not just his speed. You know, like I said, I think he's very, very shifty. I think he's starting to understand how to run routes. I think that should be a scary thing if you're a defense, because uh, if he can figure that out pretty quickly, I think teams are pretty much screwed. 
I think he's pretty physical too. Like I really, I mean, six foot one eighty. That's not a tiny guy. You know that he doesn't have to bulk up very much. A couple pounds here or there with that speed. I think he's dangerous. I, I think he has good hands. There was nothing noticeably, you know, off there. Um, I think by year two, he's going to have a full route tree just based on what the development I've seen out of him over the past two years. He's going to Clemson. He's the kind of guy they don't have anything like him there right now. I mean, you can talk about Troy Stilato, but he's not like a speedster like Antonio Williams is. He he is a little more of a technician kind of guy. And, and then other than that, it's, it's all those trees. They don't they don't have this guy like Antonio Williams who they, they were lucky to, to kind of get late in the class here. So I, I really like him. I think he offers something that no one else at Clemson does, which means I think assuming that offense can become functional at some point this year, I think he can get on the field. Not a lot here and there. I, I think he can rotate in and, and do some cool stuff there. And I think by year two, get rid of the uh, Joe and Gattas and some of these other guys to clear out. It's really, I think it could be Bo Collins. I think it can be Antonio Williams. And I think it can be Adam Randall. I think that can be their trio wide receivers for a year. That's a damn good wide receiver core. Uh, but give me Williams bold call as the guy of those three that I really, really want. I just think he has all the potential in the world. Um, ADP in the third to fourth round right now in our drafts. I can tell you right now it's that range because I'm the one who keeps taking them in that range. <laughs> um, so actually, in re- realistically, is probably lower than that. Um, I, I I really like this kid, guys. My wide receiver nine or ten, I believe, in the class. Really good player. Really good player. That might be I might be low on him, but there's a whole group there that I just I, I like all of them a lot. Yeah, no, I like Antonio Williams too, and. You know, like you mentioned a little bit earlier in the show, Dabo's not afraid to give a guy a hook, you know, or he's not afraid to play freshman. I mean, we've seen freshman wide receivers come in and play for them, you know, fairly early. I mean, Justin Ross did it, um, you know, but the Collins brothers did it this year. EJ Williams did it last year. Uh, so, you know, there's not afraid to play a freshman wide receiver. And like you said, Antonio Williams just brings a very different skill set than the rest of those guys. So I think there is a place for him on that, you know, in that rotation right away. So, yeah, I absolutely could see him having a role here freshman year. I would be very surprised if he ends up being one of your wide receiver zeros. Oh, thank you for tossing that in there. You're welcome. Um, Yeah, so that's going to be our show, I think, for tonight, guys. And let's call you have any, you know, final thoughts? No. No? Okay. Nope. No. Um, go ahead, guys. Check out campusdecanton.com if you haven't done that yet. $2.99 a month, $29.99 a year. We announced a new hire today. We we have the lead of our Debbie team. Uh, uh, Corey P. Uh, at FF Guitarist is going to be uh, leading that group as we continue to expand the website. Um, Friend so of the show, Corey P. He was for, on one of the was. times where you were off. Fellow Izzy Abanacana truther. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've noticed, guys, but most of the people we've hired this offseason are Izzy Abanacana truthers. I'm not saying that's a requirement to work at campstan.com, but it is a requirement to agree with Austin on some sort of a prospect. And it's certainly how it does this. Now, it's not going to hurt your chances if you're a big Izzy A guy. <laughs> uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, no, so so we've got that going on, guys. Um, uh, a CFF team has started to release articles. Their rankings are shaping up. Those will be out soon. Uh, Debbie rankings will be out soon. Um, so we're going to have all sorts of different rankings available for you guys. The ADP continues to build. That was just recently updated as of last week. Um, and we will have CFF ADP coming in the future. Yeah, pretty cool. All of that going to be obviously on campus to Canton.com. 
the podcast, guys. We've got, obviously, this show. We've got, uh, at this stage of the year, we have Fantasy Football Roundtable a couple days a week. We've got the Debbie Debate. We've got Chasing the Natty. And we have Dwight's uh, daily draft report, uh, where he does a short 10 to 15-minute show every day, highlighting a different uh, incoming rookie with a different guest every single show. Really, really fun. I've already been on. Colin, have you been on yet? I have not. We got to get that scheduled. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of waiting to, you know, I'll take one of the lower prospects. He hasn't asked you yet, has he? No. <laughs> no, he hasn't. You played it off really, really well. I though. did, right? I was like, I want to wait a little bit later in the process. You know, let let some of the other guys get some of the big name ones. I'll talk somebody further down the depth ch- or for further down the rankings. But no, no, no. That's good. That's Thanks good. for calling me out. You're, you're welcome. Um, always, always keep me honest. And of course, guys, the player metrics tools and everything else uh, are fun to play around with. You probably have seen the graphs by now all over Twitter. Um, so go ahead, guys. Check that out. Um, stay tuned for later in the week for Canton Bound has returned. Every well, every Friday morning we drop um, that show. Um, but until then, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good one.